Good morning, Hopevale. If you're able, will you please rise to your feet? We're going to sing this song, Do What You Want To. It is a declaration of surrender, asking God to come and have his way in our hearts. It takes a lot of courage to fully surrender. Will you please be brave with me today?
of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you.
Let's read this together on the screens as our prayer. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me. Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left. Christ when I lay down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I rise. Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears me. So Lord, we've come into this place and we have said, Lord, do what you want to. And we have said, Lord, would you build our lives upon a firm foundation that's you? And here we've prayed a prayer of St. Patrick that people have been praying for hundreds and hundreds of years. That you would be in us and with us and around us and through us. God, more of you, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. So glad you're here, everybody. My name is Billy. I'm the worship pastor. And it's another full day at Hope Vale. We're so grateful for that. So we'll continue to have guests come in in the next 10 minutes or so. But so we do this scoot-in thing. So if you do have seats that are on the outer sides of your aisles, so like we kind of split center, so we kind of say move towards center during this time, that would be great. It kind of leaves some... Uh, Leave some room for people to come in and have a seat. That would be great. So while you do that, say hi to somebody around you. We'll see you back in a sec. Thanks, gang. Well, good morning again, Hopevale. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Hey, my name is Adam Harbaugh. I'm the outreach pastor here at Hopevale. And just want to, I mean, extend a special welcome to everybody, but especially uh, if you're a first-time guest here with us this morning. Just so glad that you chose to, to join us today to be in this place to worship the name of Jesus. And so, so glad that you're here. If you want to stop by the Welcome Center after the service, we have a special gift for you. And so would invite you to do that. Hey, uh, I want to share a little bit of news kind of uh, from a global perspective in, in terms of our outreach partnerships around the world. Uh, one of our outreach partners is called Team Hope. And it's, a, it's a, an American-based nonprofit organization with a volunteer board. And their efforts are focused on just really supporting a church in, and school in a small town of Guayamate in the Dominican Republic. And we've had the chance to partner with them for years. And in the past six months, uh, they have been focusing on really expanding the offerings there at the school from a K through eighth grade school uh, all the way through the 12th grade. And so part of the needs that they have behind that was to uh, continue to, to build on their existing facilities. They're landlocked, and so they had to get a little bit creative for what that looked like. So this is a picture uh, on the, the grounds of uh, their, their uh, campus there. So there was an old shed, and they said, hey, this is the spot where we need to build a, a new facility to house ninth through 12th grade. And so they uh, you know, excavated it out and got it ready. And through Team Hope and our support of them, construction got underway. And this next picture is how the building stands today. So just kind of an exciting uh, report and update on the progress that they're making there to make a, a greater impact right there in their community. And that school especially focuses on educating the poorest of the poor in their community. And so uh, Team Hope and Hopevale, there's just been a great partnership there over the years 
to, to just really help facilitate uh, some of the financial needs that they have for facilities like that, to help support the teachers of that school and, and all sorts of things. And so uh, as part of our partnerships, it's our desire to send teams to go and work alongside of the ministries that we support. And so this July, uh, we are sending a team of 20 Hope Failers to Guayamate, uh, Dominican Republic, from July 12th to the 20th. And so just wanted to make you all aware of that so that we can be in prayer for them as they prepare to go. You know, between now and when they leave in July, a lot of preparation has to take place. A lot of prayer and energy goes into what all of that looks like. And so and we would just ask this congregation, you know, if you would be in prayer for them as they prepare to go. And if you'd like to learn a little bit more about the team and what they're going to do and how you can partner with them in doing that, uh, the team is actually going to be in the hub which is the room right off of the lobby next to the info desk this morning. They'll be in there right after the service. And so if you want to go and just kind of mingle with the team and uh, potentially financially support that team, uh, they would welcome that. They're going to help with the construction efforts there in Guayamate. They'll be putting on a medical clinic in the team, and they'll just be helping to support and resource the teachers there uh, in that community. So we're really excited about that and just wanted you to know that you have the opportunity to help send that team through your prayers and finances. So thanks in advance for considering uh, your participation in that. I want to invite the ushers to come forward this morning as we prepare to give. And as I said, just to, to turn our focus globally, you know, if you've been paying attention to the news over the past couple of days, uh, I'm sure you heard uh, about the shooting that took place in uh, the mosques in New Zealand. And uh, just, you know, as believers and as a, a congregation here, we just want to express uh, our support and our solidarity with them. You know, it's, it's heartbreaking stuff and it's acts of pure evil and hatred like that, that the Church of Jesus Christ is called to stand against. And so no matter what uh, racial or uh, political or ethnical or geographical uh, or religious barriers there are between uh, groups of people around the world, you know, we stand united in Christ for things like grace and truth and peace and love to prevail against evil and hatred. And so we want to remember um, these, these fellow people all over the world made in the image of God who are hurting this morning through that act of, of evil and violence. And so let's go to the Lord as we prepare to give. God, we come to you this morning uh, just with heavy and grateful hearts. God, we're so grateful uh, for your love for us, for what you have done for us, for the grace and the forgiveness that we receive through what Jesus has done for us. God, we are, we're just humbled to be able to be a part of your mission here on this earth, to invite people to know and follow Jesus. God, you are the only way. And we know that in this world, there's so much hatred, there's so much, uh, so many things that we want to divide people. But God, your love wants to smash down those barriers so that everybody would know how much you love them, how much you've done for them, and how it is your heart's desire that all people would respond to who you are and what you've done for them. So God, thanks for the small role that we get to play in helping to spread the good news of your son, Jesus Christ. And so God, is whether it's us sending a team to the Dominican Republic to work alongside of our partners there uh, so that 
the gospel may go forth so that kids in that community would be educated uh, and to, to be raised up to know you and to live their lives in a way that reflects who you are. God, thanks for the chance that we get to do that. Lord, we lift up our team to you in these coming months as they prepare to go. Uh, God, it's, it's exciting because in a lot of ways, we don't even know what you have in store for them. And so, God, we just uh, come, we just bring them, that team, before you, trusting you for your provision and for all that you have in store for them as they go and serve, as they step in to a little bit of the unknown for how you're going to work. So, God, we just pray that you would go before them and make their paths very straight. Or we know that you have put that team together specifically for what they are going to accomplish. So, God, deepen relationships, uh, deepen the uh, the presence of the church and school in that community. And God, just deepen our partnership so that uh, more and more impact can be made in your name. And Lord, for these communities in New Zealand who uh, are just devastated uh, over this weekend, Lord, we lift them up to you right now. And God, that this would be an opportunity where your Holy Spirit would be at work. God, that you would be uh, made known as the way, the truth, and the life. God, and that people would respond to that, that you would make your name known, that your presence would be felt in a way that maybe has never been felt before, God, and that you would uh, provide comfort and healing to those who are broken and hurting right now. God, we trust you for all this. Uh, we love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Something else that uh, has been happening this weekend, we have a group of about 200 Hopevale people, most of those middle school and high school students uh, who are uh, about two hours north over the past weekend for their youth retreat. And uh, just a great, incredible weekend for uh, us to get our kids kind of out of the daily grind, uh, to get away, to be around their friends, and to just go deep in the encouragement for them to know and follow Jesus in their lives. Yeah, just uh, we trust that God has done powerful things uh, in the life of our youth here this weekend and that man, what they have learned and what they have grasped onto this weekend would really take root and grow in their lives from there. Uh, we actually have a recap video from the weekend that we want to share with you this morning. So let's take a look at the screens and check that out. Makes my heart come alive Suddenly but tonight When I miss you
go to the youth retreat. Yeah. I love our student ministry, man. Like they, uh, Sam uh, Burke is doing such a killer job at just trying to teach those, or trying to teach our youth to just live sold out uh, for the things of God in Christ. It's so awesome. I love that. Uh, there's a guy named Josh Frank who's part of our tech ministry. He's a senior in high school. He emails me last week. He's like, hey, Billy, if I put a video together, can we show the church like what's going on with the youth and just so they can see how God's moving? I'm like, yes, we can show a video at church and see how God's moving. So it, it was so funny. We got it at like 5 in the morning. He was probably up editing all night for, for this just to show you guys. But so cool to see what God's doing. Yeah. Uh, Josh, I know you'll watch this later, buddy, but God bless you, man. We're grateful for you. So, hey, um, you know, yeah, just living sold out, right? I think that's why we keep coming back to church to try to do our best to um, move, move closer to the things of God. I once heard a quote uh, from a podcast that said, um, negative thoughts uh, stick to our brain like Teflon right away. But positive thoughts take uh, like something like 15 minutes of meditation and repetition to be able to stick. So it's no wonder why we go through such difficult things in life, just the way that brain works. Um, and this was like science, not Billy uh, saying this. So, uh, but it's just a powerful, uh, powerful word. And I thought, wow, it's amazing. And I thought, you know, it's good that we keep coming back to church and trying to bump into the things of God and bump into the things of the, of the divine that can, that can focus our heart and our attitude toward things of not just positivity, but the thing that is most positive in our life. And that's God. So it's great. So, all right, I'm going to lead a song and stop preaching. So why don't you all uh, stand for uh, this song and let's just try to be sold out in our heart. And uh, as we sing of this faith that we have in Jesus and God, friends.
Jesus Christ, my living hope. Sing this together. It's so good to be able to sing of our faith and sing it from the bottom of our tippy toes and sing it out uh, to the top of the heavens. Oh God, you've done so much and we acknowledge your presence today and we acknowledge that you've done so much through your son and God, we pray that you continue to move through your spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, this great mystery that we could understand more of who you are so that we could walk more closely and that our circumstances disappear and you become so bright. 
God, you are love and you are light. Thank you for this series that um, we're learning that uh, those two big things in this first John series. Thank you, Lord, that we get to learn more about your light in this second half. So, God, we pray that you bless Pastor Dan as he um, continues to just prepare his heart to come and ask God that uh, you would speak to us and speak through the scriptures through him. And thank you, Lord, so much for this time. In your name we all pray and say, amen. God bless you, friends. Have a seat. been a great Sunday together of worship as we gather and just sing our praises to the Lord. I'm Dan Davis, uh, senior pastor. Great to be with you and want to extend a special welcome to those of you worshiping in Bay City. Great to have you along and want to say love what you're doing. See, uh, you may not know this uh, here in Saginaw, but today, big day in Bay City, St. Patrick's Day, the race And this afternoon is the parade, and we've got a group of people who are going to be part of the parade, Hopewell Bay City. How about that, huh? Yeah. So phenomenal, and again, just our heart to plant a visible witness for Jesus Christ in that community, and God is doing an incredible work there. Well, uh, before I get to the message this morning, I would love to ask for your prayers this week and next, as Pastor Pete, Kathy, and I lead a group of 30 people from our church to Israel, Israel, where we will have the privilege of walking where Jesus walked and watching the Bible come alive in vivid and powerful ways right before our very eyes. So we leave this Tuesday, the 19th, we'll return the 29th, and we would love for you to pray not only for our safety, but also for our openness, for our spiritual openness and just what God would have for us on this trip. So I thank you in advance for your prayers and that's what's coming up. But today as we continue our Confidence in the Chaos series through 1 John, we are now approaching this Sunday and next a section of scripture that just may be the most love-infused passage in all the Bible. The most love-infused passage in all the Bible, really, that from the first verse we'll look at today, chapter 4, verse 7, all the way to chapter 5, verse 3, John uses the word love or some variation of the word 32 different times. 32 different times. There's no other passage in Scripture, not even the legendary 1 Corinthians 13 that the Apostle Paul pens about love, that has this high a concentration when it comes to speaking and teaching about love. And so let's take a look at that. If you have a Bible with you, paper, electronic, I invite you to turn there with me to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And as you're making your way there, I want you to do a favor for me. That by the grace of God, that to the best of your ability, I want you to join me in praying to the Lord, just silently, right where you are, in your heart, something like this. God, show me something new and fresh about love. 
And as you do, make me receptive right, to what he's going to show us and then responsive so that I may love and be loved like never before. God, show me something new and fresh about love. And as you do, make me receptive and responsive so that I may love and be loved like never before. I'm just going to give us a moment of silent prayer to do that right now. Would you pray that with me, just in your hearts? Amen. Thank you. See, here's where I'm coming from on why I had us pray that prayer together. That for some of us, us long-timers who have been on the church scene for quite some time, whether here or elsewhere, we have been hearing for years that God loves us. And years that we should love others. And that's great. It really is. But if we're not careful, it's easy for a message like this to get stale, to grow cold, where our familiarity may not breed contempt, but it can breed complacency. Complacency and a ho-hum attitude toward love. And what a shame it would be if we ever got to that place with love, which, by the way, just to be clear, I'm not pointing any fingers at you because I am just as guilty, just as vulnerable to this as the rest of us. That's why we need to pray. That's why we need God's help to make love come alive in us. But then there's another group here who might have a harder time connecting church with love. Church with love. Maybe you're newer to Hopewell or maybe you're just returning back to the faith after some bad church experiences in the past. But you want to give God another shot for it. So you, it's not that you're complacent when it comes to love, but you're protective. Protective of your heart because you are afraid of getting burned again. You know what? I get that. I do. But here's what else you need to know. See, your heart is divinely designed to love and to be loved. Divinely designed. And there is a love from God that's worth the risk. It's worth the risk. I think of these powerful words from the late Christian author and philosopher C.S. Lewis who had this to say about love. He says, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal, a pet, right? No, wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements and lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least to the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers of love is hell. Wow. See, God made you to love and to be loved. And so my prayer is that in the safety of this place, in the safety of this moment, that God will give you the courage to unwrap your heart, to unwrap your heart, to be open, to be vulnerable to the extraordinary and supernatural love of God that he has 
for you. So God, make it new today, right? Make it fresh, and God, make love come alive in all of us here today. That's our prayer. And so with that in mind, let's go ahead now and take a look at 1 John chapter 4 and see what the Apostle John has to say about love. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Once again, right here at the beginning, verse 7, we see this command that John has already given to us as Christians in the church, that we are to love one another. Let us love one another. John says that the love we express to each other in the horizontal, you know what, that is what ultimately makes or breaks a church. Love. And yet while this command to love is nothing new, John's perspective about love and the one he takes here is, right, that he's going to telescope away from the day-to-day earthly realities that we live out with each other. And he shifts our attention to where all this love is coming from in the first place. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Love comes from God, that God is the initial and the ultimate source of love. Agape love, unconditional love, no strings attached love, selfless love, sacrificial love. That at all of it starts not with us, but rather with God, because God is love. God is love. It's not just that God is loving as if that's one of his many characteristics. Now see, for God, love isn't just a characteristic of his personality. Rather, it is the essence of his being. Love is the essence of God's being. And to help give you a sense of what John's trying to communicate here, I'm going to take a little tangent. And I want to touch on one of the biggest mysteries in all of Christianity, and that's the Trinity. The Trinity, the belief that the God we worship is one in essence and yet also three in persons. That God is one in essence and yet also three in persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Where each person of the Trinity is fully God and yet there is but one God. Now we're not going to take time to unpack this mystery this morning because I'm not sure our finite human brains can handle it. But here's what I do want us to do. I want us to think about a relationship of three distinct beings. And these beings are by far the most loving beings that have ever existed. So that in the way they love each other, as the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, right, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it, it does not dishonor, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, it love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres, love never fails. That with these three beings, they have never ever failed at loving each other with this kind of level of perfection, right? The Trinity, imagine a love so pure without even the slightest hint of selfishness. And then even beyond that, these three beings have been loving each other for more than just years and decades and centuries and even millennia. No, they have been loving each other with this pure and perfect and passionate love for all eternity. All, no other love story in history can even come close to that, not even The Bachelor, right? 
I mean, take my marriage, the most loving human relationship I've ever been in. We are coming up on 30 years of marriage this May. Kathy knows me far better than anyone else, flaws and all, and yet even despite the mess I am, with great patience and pardon, she continues to love me, and I can tell you that our love for each other now is far deeper than it's ever been, and it's tremendous, but you know what? 30 years of two forgiven sinners imperfectly loving each other cannot even begin to compare with an eternity of perfect love that is experienced and expressed by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. See, this, John says, is the source of all love. It's like comparing water from the direct source of a fresh mountain stream versus tap water from a rusty faucet carried by corroded pipes. It's no contest. No, God is love. God is love. And because he is love, back to verse 7, verse 8, John says, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. That we who know God personally because of Jesus have been born anew spiritually and are now sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. Because this has been our experience as Christians, because this is now our new identity, we can, we should, we must, as his children, love each other because that's who our God is. That's who our Father is, and that's what his family does, that the church is meant to be a family of love. And so John cannot even begin to imagine, conceive it in his mind that we would possibly do the opposite, that we would not love each other, because in his mind, knowing God and loving others, they have to go together. They have to go together. So God is love. And all love initially and ultimately comes from him. That is the story of love against the backdrop of eternity. But John doesn't stop there. No, because in talking about love, he also wants to remind us about love's definite expression in history. Love's definite expression in history, verse 9. See, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him live through him. Now, if you have any familiarity with the Bible, you can see that this verse is essentially the same as John 3.16. God so loved the world that he what? That he gave, right? That he sent his one and only son into the world that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, right? And so God the Father, this eternally perfect union of love that he shared In the Trinity, he makes the most difficult decision he's ever made. He lets go. God lets go. And he sends his one and only son from the bliss of heaven to the mess of our world. I mean, you think about dropping off your child on their first day of kindergarten is tough. Or sending them away for a week at summer camp. Or moving them into a dorm room for their first year of college away from home. These emotionally painful rites of passage that we go through as parents, but they can't even begin to describe and compare what John's telling us here, right? And yet, despite this agony of separation, God the Father did this because of his incredible love for us. It's like those lyrics in the worship song we sing here, all right, what a beautiful name. You didn't want heaven without us, so Jesus, you brought heaven down. That God's love is so strong that it could not be contained within the Trinity. 
And so because of this boundless love, God the Father sent Jesus Christ, his Son, into our world. For what purpose? So that we might live through him. Live through it. Live as in eternal life. Live as in the theme verse of this series, 1 John 5, verse 13. These things I write to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know, here, here, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that you may know with great confidence that you have eternal life. Life. Life that's not just biological existence, but life that is soul-saving, sin-forgiven, life-changing, heaven-gaining, and heart-renewing life. And God the Father offers all of this to us through his Son if we would just simply believe in him. Why? Because the God of love is the God of life. Verse 10. This is love. Not that we love God. We're not the source. No, that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Toning sacrifice for our sins. This is the second time in our series in 1 John where John refers to Jesus as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. This incredibly important concept you need to understand about Jesus. First time we saw it was back a couple chapters at the beginning of 1 John chapter 2 where John assures us that even when we sin, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, is our advocate with the Father and that our sins, past, present, and future, will not be held against us nor will they remain unforgiven. Why? Because Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, that he paid a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt we could not pay. And that the cross, the empty tomb, are proof that our ledger with God the Father is paid in full. That's what it means to say that Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for sin. But then John brings it up again here in chapter 4 when he's talking about love. And one of the reasons I think he does that is to remind us of what the cross is really all about. The cross is all about, because here's the thing, if you water down the cross, you water down the love of God. Let me tell you what I mean. That over the last 2,000 years, there have been pockets of people both within and outside the church who think who teach that the main purpose of Jesus dying on the cross was to give us an example of what sacrificial love looks like. An example of sacrificial love, that by laying down his life for us, Jesus is our ultimate inspirational role model when it comes to love. Now, just to be clear, I'm not saying that's incorrect, but I am saying that's incomplete. Because Jesus isn't just our role model, he is our redeemer. He's not just our standard, he is our savior. See, the cross happened not because we had a motivation problem. No, the cross happened because we had a salvation problem. And when we tap into that, it not only opens up the floodgates for us to experience God's love, but then we're also able to turn around and express that same kind of love to others like never before. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's absolutely amazing, people. It really is. Verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, then we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So notice John's progression through this passage, right? That from the love of the Trinity through all eternity to the love of Jesus at this pivotal moment in history 
And now to the love we as Christians in the church share with each other in this present reality. Eternity, history, present reality, dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. That the command to love has a context of love, God's great love for us. So God isn't asking us to do something that he was unable or unwilling to do. No, quite the contrary. He sent his son out of love. He sacrificed his son to give us life. And so John says, well, express to each other then what you have experienced from God. Look around, church, at each other. Express to each other what we have experienced from God because when you do, look what happens. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. See, every single human being on this planet, whether they know it or not, was created with a hunger for God. A hunger for God, a deep down craving for the pure and perfect love of God. The problem is no one can see God with their physical eyes, right? And so they can't even begin to know where to look for him. And so in verse 12, John tells us as Christians, see, that's where you as the church come in. That when we love each other with the kind of love that God has for us, you know what happens? The invisible becomes visible. The invisible becomes visible where the unseen God is living in and among us while his love is being made complete in us as well. It's just like Jesus' new command that we keep talking about here at Hopevale from the Gospel of John, chapter 13. These very words from the mouth of Jesus on the eve of his crucifixion. A new command I give you, Jesus says, love one another. And how are we supposed to do that? As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know, right? Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So as we are loving each other with the love of Jesus, people around us will begin to see and feel and get a taste of this supernatural, this selfless and sacrificial love of God that is unlike anything else in this world. So for the last 2,000 years, ever since the Church of Jesus Christ began, at Pentecost. These have been our marching orders. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now next week, Pastor Ken is going to continue this deep dive look into love as he walks us through the remainder of the rest of 1 John 4. But for the rest of our time together today, I want us to crack the door of possibility. To crack the door of possibility of what this could look like here at Hopevale if we really got a hold of these verses. If we really got a hold of these verses, or should I say if these verses really got a hold of us, what would our church be like if God's great love for us set the standard in how we love each other? Well, I want to ask myself that question for Hopevale this week. There's another passage of scripture that I thought of. It's actually a challenge about love that Jesus himself taught in his most famous message ever, the Sermon on the Mount. And so from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, beginning in verse 43, here's what Jesus says. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. That was the prevailing religious wisdom of that day, that we're called to love, we're called to be neighborly with our neighbor. But then after that, especially with people who have it out for us that we might label as our enemy, we're let off the hook. 
was the prevailing wisdom of the day. But just like Jesus does all throughout the Sermon on the Mount, he challenges what all the religious leaders back then upheld as the standard, and he kicks it up another notch. Verse 44, but I tell you, Jesus says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Right? So love like your heavenly Father loves, Jesus says. And how does he love? Well, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Now, theologians, Bible scholars use the term common grace to describe what Jesus is talking about here. The idea that whether you love God or hate God, he is still so gracious and generous that he does not withhold his blessings from everyone. And so these simple yet essential gifts like sun for the soul, rain for the crops, right? He shares with everyone, whether they quote-unquote deserve it or not. Common grace, that's God's standard. But what about us, verse 46? So if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the dreaded tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, your own people, right? What are you doing more than others? Do not even the godless pagans with no moral compass at all, don't they even do that? Now, I got to tell you, this is one of my sneaky favorite passages in the Bible. It really is, because we get to see a sarcastic side to Jesus, right? Where Jesus speaks truth with a sting. And so he's calling out all these smug, self-righteous religious leaders who are so satisfied with their own godliness. And he says, look at how great you are. Boy, boy, you love just as well as those treacherous, traitorous tax collectors who sold their souls and left their own people to side with the Romans. You love just like them. Good for you. Give yourself a hand. You're just like the slimy pagans. Why? Because you're only content to love the people who are willing to love you back. And you can almost hear Jesus is giving a little like golf clap, right? Good for you. Way to go. And so after painting this contrast between God's extravagant, unconditional love and our petty, conditional love to love those who love us back, he comes in with the punchline, verse 48, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be perfect in your love for others as your heavenly Father is perfect. In other words, aim high, Jesus says. Don't settle for mediocrity when it comes to love because that's not the way you do it in the family of God. No, love others like your heavenly Father loves you. He is your standard. He is your standard, and John would add, by the way, in your commitment to love others, begin in the church. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That's the standard. And so the challenge for us here at Hopewell, see, even though we like to think we're different, that we're better than the people Jesus was confronting in this sermon about, the truth is we too want to settle, right? We too just want to naturally love the people who are going to love us back. Or love the people who are easy to love because they got their act together. Or love the people who are a lot like us because we have so much in common, right? I know that's not pretty to say out loud, but if we're going to be honest, that's where a lot of us live most of the time, myself included. And so my hope is that the words of John, these words of Jesus that we've seen today, 
will challenge us not to settle when it comes to love. See, when it comes to loving others, there's this part of us that we want to get by with the bare minimum. God, what do you want me to do, right? What can I get by with? And see, God wants us to go beyond to the absolute maximum. Not to settle with the bare minimum, but to go beyond to the absolute maximum, to love each other how like he loves us. We're his light, his love, his life. They're not just flowing to us, but they are flowing through us. And so what does that look like in the church when we are striving for the absolute maximum right? in the way that we're loving each other? Well, I'm sure there's a million and one examples we could come up with, but you know, as I close, I just want to share a few that came to mind. Specifically, what does it mean to get out of our comfort zone and to love people who we might not naturally love? And so when I thought about what it means to love others well in the church, I thought about some different groups, right? First, those who are different than us. Those who are different than us. Those who we might not have much common ground with. Especially those who are quote-unquote, beneath us, different job, different income, different neighborhood, or dare I even say, different race. I think of the book of James that challenges our bent towards economic prejudice and favoritism, or the book of Galatians that confronts our tendency towards racism. Listen, the only common ground we need in the church is Jesus Christ. Everything else is secondary. It's secondary because the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And so, you know, the church shines brightest as a vibrant witness to a watching world when we can love beyond the boundaries that separate us in society. When we can love beyond the boundaries that separate us in society. Second, loving those who've wronged us. Loving those who've wronged us. Listen, if the church is a family of forgiven sinners who are imperfect but progressing, then there are going to be those times when we will intentionally or unintentionally sin against each other. It's going to happen. Jesus says as much in the Sermon on the Mount. That's why he encourages us, when it does happen, to go make things right, to not let them linger. Likewise, the Apostle Paul says that love keeps no record of wrongs, and that we are to forgive others just as God in Christ has forgiven us. Again, this is about going beyond the minimum, the world around us. Right, and the standards of keeping score and holding grudges. To love those who've wronged us. Also to love those we've hurt. Right, this is the other side of the forgiveness coin. Where we're the ones who need to say we're sorry. And actually, because of our own stubborn pride, this one might even be harder for some of us than forgiveness. Because everything within us wants to dig in our heels. We want to justify all those reasons why we don't need to apologize. But again, when a relationship is broken, we need to humble ourselves before God, before the other person. We need to own the part that we've played, to love those we've hurt. And then finally, to love those who are hurting. The Apostle Paul commands those of us in the church to rejoice with those who rejoice, but also to mourn with those who mourn. And while we can't be there for everyone all the time, we do need to be sensitive, we do need to be open to step into the mess of someone else's emotional hurt and pain. And do that not as a fixer, but to do that as a friend. To do it with a listening ear, to do it with a caring heart, to do it with a prayerful spirit. And maybe, 
as John tells us earlier, to do it with an open pocketbook. Remember this verse, 1 John chapter 3, verse 17, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words and speech, but with action and in truth to love those who are hurting. And these are just some of the ways, some of the people in the church that we can love well, that we can carry out John's instructions. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And so as I wrap up, you know, I began this morning with a prayer about love. So let me close the message the exact same way. For today and beyond, here it is. God, on my own, I can't love like that. But I believe you can through me. God, on my own, I'm going to settle for the bare minimum. I'm going to just love those who love me back, right? I can't love what you're asking me to do in the way you are. I can't, but I believe you can through me. Because it is not easy, it is not natural to love those who are different than you, to love those who've wronged you, to love those you've hurt, to love those who are hurting It's not, but even though it's not easy, it is possible that by the grace of God, that by the love of Jesus, that by the power of the Holy Spirit flowing in you and flowing through you, it can happen. And so John says, and I want to tell you, let's not be the kind of church that settles for the bare minimum. Let's not be that church. No, rather, when it comes to love, let's go beyond that. Let us shoot for the absolute maximum of God's perfect love, shared with each other in the church. Let's pray together. God, on my own, I can't love like that. But I believe you can through me. That love in this community of grace and truth will make or break us as a church where we will either be a visible witness to your great love or we will be a visible detriment in keeping people from seeing you as you truly are. God, thank you that when it comes to this, comes to stretching us, growing us, getting us out of our comfort zone, you don't leave us alone. As a matter of fact, (laughs) we need to remember your incredible love for us. This, God, I I don't get it. I don't fully understand why you, Jesus, would die for me. But you did. I'm forever grateful. So, Lord, make that new, make that fresh, make that come alive in us so that the words of John would truly be our testimony here. Dear friends, since God so loved us, let us also love one another. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's a great word to have our eyes up and uh, our focus toward the things of uh, being, just being really moved and moved closer to the things of God in Christ when we realize what he's done. And hopefully it causes us to be that kind of person that Pastor Dan just preached about. So one that loves uh, no matter what the difference is. Let's uh, stand and respond in worship to the Lord, friends.
love a song like that because it reminds us that we should never lose the wonder of God's incredible love for us. And God has set you free so that you are free to live and free to love. Next week, we are going to continue our series, First John, Confidence in the Chaos. But as you go from here, may you go in the freedom of Jesus Christ. God bless you.